You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Car Feature. With Nicole Lowe. Nicole Lowe is a former technical editor for Car Magazine, joins us every Tuesday and here to answer not only questions about data dotting and what that is, but any car question you might have. So do give us a call now on 011-883-0702. He'll give some technical advice about your car. Nicole, lovely to have you on the show. Good afternoon. Hi, Africa. Pleased to meet you and hi, listeners. What is data dotting? Yes, so normally on this show we talk about all the technical things that can go wrong in your car. But I had a situation the other week, and I think we can talk about it, where I actually bought a vehicle where the engine number didn't tie up with the number on the e-notice form. You know, when you go for a vehicle registration, first you need to get the vehicle roadworthy. And it's at the roadworthy process where they actually spotted that the e-notice document registration document of the vehicle the engine number didn't tie up with a number that was on the engine in the vehicle so a bit of a dilemma there so if if somebody out there listeners if they ever think of doing an engine swap or they may might be in the same situation where they bought the vehicle take it for road really to transfer to their name and then they realize but no the engine numbers doesn't tie up this is the sort of process you'll go through so that's where data dotting or micro dotting comes in as well. So it's been a, a, a regulation now that uh, when an engine sh- a swap happens, uh, it needs to be data dotted. Now, what data dotting or micro dotting is, it's a process where a small little micro disk is actually uh, linked to the VIN number of the vehicle, and those micro disks are tiny. You can't spot them with your eye. It gets applied to um, the parts of the vehicle. Um, it's not random, they know which parts to apply it to, but in essence what it does is it actually links the parts of the vehicle to the VIN number of the vehicle. So once the vehicle's been data dotted, say for example the vehicle uh, was in an accident and a bumper is, is lying there next to the side and maybe it was a hit and run. Uh, if that vehicle was data dotted, the police can pick up that bumper, they can take it to the data dotting center, they use microscopes, and they can actually look at these little microscopic dots that have been added to the parts and link it to a VIN number, link it to the vehicle. So it can also sort of um, prevent uh, the parts being sold as well, um, or, or, or vehicles that was broken up that was uh, stolen for the, the parts to be sold because it can be linked back to the stolen vehicle. So that's a data dotting for you, just a, a quick summary or micro dotting. But back to the engine problem. So once I realized that I had a different engine in a vehicle and was an e so first of all, you have to go to get uh, police clearance. So to be able to go for police clearance, you first need to go to the traffic department and you get an RPC form, it's a request for police clearance. That will allow you to take your vehicle now to the police clearance center. Now, in, in Cape Town, the closest one we have here is in Stuckland. Uh, you have to, to go there. You have to go with your data dotting certificate because that's one of the requirements. You have to have your ID with you. You have to have proof of address. Um, in my case, I bought the vehicle. I needed a certified copy of the ID of the person I bought the, the vehicle from. Um, and if you've done an engine replacement, uh, you need the receipt of that engine where you bought it, uh, also to get police clearance. If you haven't got a receipt, you will have to do an affidavit at the police station to say, no, I, I bought this vehicle or I bought this uh, this engine and it wasn't stolen. 
Um, so it's, it's quite a process. And then the police clearance, what they will do is they will make sure that the, the new engine that's in the vehicle now is not a stolen engine. It doesn't come up on their system. And then they will actually give you, or well, they change the e-natives document details online. So next time you go for a roadworthy, everything will tie up and then you can put it in your name. So it sounds like a mouthful. Uh, it is a mouthful. It, it took me about four and a half hours at the police clearance center. So a top tip out there, if you buy a vehicle, make sure that the registration documents, the VIN number, the engine number, all ties up. You will save yourself a lot of hassle, a lot of time. That is genius, Nicole. And thank you very much for alerting us to it because many of us will never have to think about it until, you know, either changing cars or buying a new car, selling a car, whatever the case may be. And that, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful tip. To your calls now on 011-883-0702. Nicole, your first call is from Vuiswa in Orlando. Vuiswa, what's your question for Nicole? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I took my vehicle for, it's a Ford Ranger, it's a 2030 model. I took it for service for the 75,000 kilo liter service. But then I see it's emitting black smoke when I drive. I just wanted to verify whether that's correct or there's something wrong with the engine. Or the odds and things were not changed. I'm not too sure because it's the first time I see it. And the black smoke only started emitting after you re- uh, you took it back from the service, yeah? Mm, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Nicole, should the Ford be emitting black smoke after a service at 75,000 Ks? No, it, it shouldn't read. It all depends on the amount of smoke that is exiting and also the color. So it's a 2020 model year. Um, if it's a Ranger, it will probably be the diesel. Well, it's a 2015. 2015. Is that still the 2.2 or which diesel engine has that got? 2.5, actually. It's a 2.2, you know. Yes, a 2.2, yeah. That was uh, the Puma engine back in the day. So it's out of warranty, unfortunately. It's only done 74,000 kilometers. 75, it was for the 75. Yo, okay, so you don't drive often. But anyway, so you don't expect uh, a lot of smoke. Remember the modern diesel uh, vehicles, not the commercial so much, but uh, in South Africa, all the ones that we import will be fitted with a diesel particulate filter in the exhaust. So there will be no smoke emitted from the, the modern, let's call it European diesels that we get in South Africa. Um, we're still on Euro 2 level, so most of our commercial type vehicles, Bucky's SUVs, um, Bucky-based SUVs won't be fitted with uh, diesel particular filters. So you can expect a bit of, of smoke out the back under hot acceleration, which is basically just the soot emitted from the diesel combustion process. Um, it's interesting oh. for me that you say that there was no smoke before and after the service there was a lot of smoke. So that, mm. that sounds a bit worrying. Um, what I would yeah. check, though, is check your um, oil level in the engine to make sure it's not being overfilled. Um, normal diesel smoke will be black, uh, the particulates, um, but if it's burning oil, you sometimes get a blue tint to the smoke. That's why I say the color of the smoke can sometimes tell you what's going on. So if there's a, it's a blue tint to the smoke, it might be burning oil. Um, so make sure that the oil level of the engine is correct. There wasn't an overfuel at the uh, overfill of the oil at the dealership. 
but I would I would also take the vehicle back to the dealership just for them to recheck that nothing nothing serious is going on. You wouldn't expect the dramatic change of color of of exhaust gases after a service. Um, so that's uh, something that you can do. Um, all right, Visa, thank you very much. And certainly good luck uh, with your vehicle. Um, Paul, you've called in from the Val. What's your question for Nicole? Good, uh, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, Nicole, uh, I recently had an issue with my car. I drive a 2003 Polo. And I had an issue with the tensioner, so I had to replace it. And I got to one retailer, and he said, the BBY engines, uh, I'm going to struggle going forward to get parts uh, from it. I'm not sure if how true is that. It's a 2003 Polo. Uh, the engine number starts with the BBY. So I haven't uh, specifically heard about a parts shortage on that specific engine. Normally, a vehicle that sells in high volumes has got no issue for spare parts. So that's new to me. Um, is okay. that uh, that's a naturally aspirated engine? Is it the petrol? Is it the 1.4? What are we talking about? 1.4. Correct. Yes, 1.4. Nat- naturally aspirated. Yes. Uh, it's not a turbo engine. So no, it's not. not no, no. That those years were all naturally aspirated. Yeah, no. I, I the first time I heard of uh, shortage of parts. Um, my my opinion would be the Polo was such a popular vehicle back in the day and still is. It's it's one of the most popular vehicles if you look at the NAMSA sales figures. So I can't see why engine parts should be a problem on that specific engine. And hopefully nothing goes wrong as well. So maybe just double check. What you can do is. Uh, obviously, phone your VW dealer, they might know, but also phone your specialist, uh, your VW specialist that works on older vehicles out of warranty. They they definitely okay. would know if there's a problem. My opinion would be not, because I haven't heard the story before. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much. We were talking about data dotting a little bit earlier, and Tabi so in Cosmo City. You've called in about that. What's your comment, reflection for Nicole? Good uh, afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, yes, um, I, I want to, yeah, to comment about data dot, um, how it helps with um, discovering stolen vehicles. Um, most important, it loans. I think at this present moment, that that's the only way the the police actually, um, you know, identify which vehicle is the original vehicle or which vehicle is the it's 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 the stolen vehicle. The unfortunate part that I've that I've discovered is that where the vehicles are sold, the dealers, it looks like I might be wrong. It looks like they don't have access to the um, data dot system, or they don't have any system they can use to verify if the vehicle that they are taking in is indeed the original vehicle or if it's a, if it's a stolen vehicle. So what that what that does is that it, um, on innocent people end up buying vehicles, you know that um, can I say cloned, uh, stolen vehicle disguised, you know, with um, legitimate um, vehicle information. And um, I just wanted to ask Nicole, you know, if is there an easier way? Is there a way um, the dealers or the guys who are selling vehicles to easily verify that the asset that they want to take in to buy, you know, it's indeed an original vehicle or if it was previously if it was data dotted or not. So that, that's the question I wanted to ask you. Thanks for that, Tabi. So, Nickel, is there a register of sorts or a database that uh, dealers, uh, particularly those who are selling second-hand cars, um, would be able to access uh, to ensure that the vehicle that Africa is about to buy actually is a legitimate vehicle that has not been cloned, as Tabi so politely put it?
Yes, unfortunately, I can't comment on all dealerships. I, I'm not sure that that technology will be available to all dealers. But what I do know is when a vehicle uh, goes for roadworthy, which it should do when it passes from one owner to the next or when it passes to the dealership, the roadworthy center, uh, it's their responsibility to check the, the VIN numbers, the engine numbers, and um, I assume they would also be able to then look at that data dotting. But unfortunately, it's not my field of expertise. I can only comment what I think. That would be my opinion on that. No, fair enough. Tabitha, it's an important question, though. Thank you very much for asking it. Uh, Paul, you've called in from Malville. What's your question for Nickel? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a petrol head, but there are lots of things I don't understand. And the one thing I quite often see reported on is people who drive their diesels into a petrol station and petrol gets put in and they go a couple of kilometers down the road and then there seems to be immense damage in the vehicle. And I wanted to know, what, how does that damage occur? What is it that gets damaged? And I mean, I had somebody say to me the other day, it cost them 50 grand to redo their engine, which kind of seems weird to me, but I'm prepared to be educated. Nickel? Uh, okay, so... If you put uh, petrol in a diesel vehicle, that's much worse than putting diesel in a petrol vehicle. I'll just quickly try to summarize. So your petrol engine compression ratio is around 10 or 12 to 1 if you get to your AC engines. Your diesel engine's compression ratio is, is, is 16 or even higher to 1. Um, if you look at your, your petrol uh, engine, you've got a spark that actually initiates combustion. So you don't want it to self-combust in the sense that when the pressure and the temperature is high enough, petrol will actually combust, uh, call it knock, uh, or auto-ignition in a petrol engine. And that's a very damaging phenomenon if that happens. So in a modern petrol engine, you'll even have um, electronic strategies, which is called knock control, which will retard timing, do all sorts of things to avoid the auto-ignition or knock in a petrol engine because that sort of explosion that will go on. When a, when a spark ignition happens, it's actually a very controlled burn in, in every combustion chamber, but not with auto-ignition. Now, a diesel engine works completely different. It actually runs on auto-ignition. So your sort of your, your diesel combustion can almost be seen as a sort of auto-ignition because it's a very, very high uh, pressure environment where that diesel gets injected. There's no spark as such. It's just the pressure and the temperature is high enough for the diesel to start combusting. But again, the properties of diesel is in the sense that it will be a burn process, a controlled burn process. But now imagine you've got uh, petrol in a, in a diesel engine. So you've got a very high compression ratio. You've got a lot of heat going on a high pressures, and this petrol will then to combust in a, comb- in a combustion chamber. So it's basically the knock they try to prevent in a petrol engine will now occur in a diesel engine. And it's in a sense, it can actually, with, with knock, it can damage the, the, the material. So it can actually rip holes in pistons. It can do all those kind of things. So it's a very damaging thing. The other thing that you need to remember in a diesel engine is that the fuel itself is also a lubricant. So for your high-pressure pumps, for your injectors, it's also a lubricant, whereas petrol has got very little uh, lubricity or, or very little uh, properties to help with lubrication. So if you run petrol through those high-pressure systems like your high-pressure diesel pump and your injectors and you run it for long enough, uh, damage will occur because there's no lubricant involved there. So. 
petrol in a diesel engine is, is not a good idea. If you put diesel in a petrol engine, it just will stop running, which is much better than, uh, than petrol that will cause damage. Unfortunately, that way around, if, you, if you're at the forecourt and you realize that you put the wrong fuel in, don't risk it. Just leave it, leave the car there, let they drain the, the, the fuel and start over again. Because if you start it, obviously there's still a lot of fuel left in the lines from the mm-hmm. tank to the engine, which is sort of a safety net. Um, so if they drain the fuel in the tank to the correct fuel, then you're fine. But don't, don't risk to drive off and see what happens. All right, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. And before I go to Tsecho's question, the cost of um, unleaded petrol in Gauteng is about 21 rand, 51 cents at the moment. The cost of diesel is about 22 rand, 22.15, depending on, of course, uh, which diesel you use. Should we be switching uh, cars from diesel cars to petrol cars because of the cost per litre of uh, fuel? That's an interesting uh, equation there. Um, so I think we know that the diesel cars are a lot more fuel efficient than petrol vehicles. If we look at equivalent vehicle, equivalent engine capacity, the diesel vehicle will always win. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that, and that is that there's more energy per liter of diesel than in, in petrol. So diesel wins from the start, and then because of the higher compression ratio, it's more efficient there's no uh, butterfly valve, which is basically your throttle in a diesel engine, so it runs unthrottled. There's no pumping loss. There's a bit of technical, technical reasons why diesels would always win the efficiency gain, 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 but by how much? So that's the question. So if it's if it's the same money, definitely diesel will always win. Now, what is the margin? So my gut feel is that a diesel engine would always be 10 to 20. Uh, percent more fuel efficient. So if the fuel price differs more than, let's say, 20%, then your petrols will be in the game again. Um, so at the moment, I think the difference is too too little to, to really swap from a, a diesel to a petrol. And it's a cyclic thing. So we might find that uh, in, a, in a month or so, it, it will be equal again or the other way around. So I won't, I, that the cycle is quicker than, than, than swapping cars. So I would rather just wait for the cycle to return again. Fair enough. Tsecho, in Renberg, what's your question for Nico? Hi, Nico. Thank you for taking my call. I just want you to advise me what would be my recourse on this matter. I bought a brand new car. The car was delivered brand new. Uh, and I picked up probably a week later that this car was actually in an accident. Um, it was repaired, you know, resprayed, etc. I contacted the dealer, whom I will not um, name at the moment because the matter is being handled by them. Uh, yeah, without asking me any questions or whatever, whatever, they simply apologized for the mistake and they offered to replace. Is that uh, enough for the dealer to, to do or say? Well, they, 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 they have offered to replace the car. They have offered. They said they would have replaced the car, so I'm waiting on uh, the, the delivery of it. But uh, what, what what I deal with the Marijos on such uh, an ethical behavior by a dealer? Yes. So if, they go, if, they, if, if they're going to replace the car, I think that's a win already. Um, obviously, we've got the CPA Customer Protection Act that's been going for quite some time now. So 
um, in that act, it states that you're not allowed to do unethical things like that. So, so sell the car and and state that it is a new vehicle, and afterwards you find out mm-hmm. it's an accident. So they're completely in the wrong. Um, so replacing the car is is what they should do. That's a that's a correct behavior from the dealership. The problem is uh, to prove that they were aware that it was an accident. So maybe. They're not aware, or they might claim that they're not, 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 they were not aware that the vehicle was actually in an accident and repaired. So to go into a whole legal battle, uh, to try to prove they're unethical, um, might be problematic. Um, even though we would like to name and shame these kind of dealers that do things like that, um, I will leave it up to the legal experts to answer. My, my feeling is that if you perceive the replacement vehicle, that's probably the best you will be able to get for now. Okay, Nepal. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Seho, and good luck with your new car. And, Nicole, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Good, sir. Thank you very much. Nicolo is a former technical editor for uh, Car Magazine and will be joining Relo Bukhile next week, Tuesday.